Hi, everybody, and welcome to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. I'm your host, Eric Stegeman, and I'm the CEO of Tribus. We're one of the largest independent prop tech companies in real estate and provider of custom brokerage technology to medium and large size brokerages, both in the United States and around the world. Today on the show, we have Howard Chung. Now, Howard's the VP of Franchise Development for John L. Scott. Now, John L. Scott is one of the largest brokerages in the Northwest, and Howard has been with them on and off for over 15 years. He started out as an agent, went to a franchise owner, and has grown with the company to the position that he's in today. Howard, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Eric, for having me. It's uh, very nice to be here and talking about the industry and real estate. It's exciting to have you. I've known you on and off, and we've seen each other at events for a number of years now. And so it's great to, to dig in a little further with you on a couple topics that I, I think we both have some interest in here. So first, to get started, why don't we give everybody else a little more information on who you are? So tell me, what got you started in residential real estate? Yeah, I fell in love. How about that? College, I was traveling abroad. And of all places, I met my wife in Israel while I was traveling. And uh, so she was studying abroad in Israel. I was traveling abroad in Germany. And uh, we ended up falling in love. We got engaged in Germany. And uh, we finished off our final year at our colleges. She was in uh, Michigan. And I was at the University of Washington in Seattle. And uh, so we had never actually even seen each other for more than two weeks before we actually got married. And uh, she was off to get a graduate degree at Harvard. And so I said, I didn't get into a graduate degree at Harvard. So how about we get married and then uh, I'll go work uh, in Boston and support you. And so she said, great. And so uh, that's how the journey began. And I, I literally walked by a real estate sign that said now hiring at a Century 21 office in the middle of uh, Harvard Square and Porter Square over in Cambridge. And so I walked in and they said, hey, how, how do I get started? And um, so I, at the time, it was like one of those deals where you, you could take a weekend course, like literally Saturday, Sunday. So I took a Saturday and Sunday course and then got licensed on Monday and I was off selling real estate. <laughs> so that was the beginning of the journey. Um, but I was very successful by the third year of my, of my real estate career. And by the time my wife was graduating her initial, her first degree anyway, I, I was the number one agent for Century 21, the entire East Coast. Now, so that was the average sale price was 150,000 probably at the time. And um, I loved it and hated it. I loved the money, but hated the hours. This is pre, you know, like understanding teams or any of that type of thing. So it's just like, I am so sick of real estate and selling real estate. I just need to get out of this business. We moved back to Seattle and then I took a year off. And as I decided to go back into real estate, I said, I want to make sure that I've got systems in place and I want to have a much more balanced life, especially now we're going to having kids. And yeah, that's basically what I did. I, was, I went back into the business, just selling real estate, but I was very successful managing a kind of a Monday through Thursday kind of calendar, selling real estate, taking Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays off and still selling a lot of real estate and got very systems oriented. And then that eventually led me on to becoming or going into leadership and management, then starting my own franchise and becoming an executive for John L. Scott Real Estate. And uh, like I said, uh, or like you mentioned, I've been back and forth in various roles. And uh, so oversaw marketing for a while. And now I'm overseeing the franchise development and growth for John L. Scott Real Estate. Wow, that's, uh, that is, I, I keep using this term and I didn't realize it was to the extent of what you just said, but I keep using this term of real estate lifers. And it seems like <laughs> we've had the opportunity to interview a, a number of real estate lifers. Last week was 
was Philip White, the CEO of Sotheby's. Uh, a couple weeks before that was Joan Doctor, the, the president of Berkshire Hathaway Fox and Roach Realtors, which is a 5,000 person brokerage or a company in, in Philadelphia based around Philadelphia. And now he, here's Howard with his uh, real estate lifer, just like me. It, it seems like a bunch of us just got into it. And I always say we get sucked in and you can't leave for a lot of different reasons. One is the knowledge that you have. And it seems like that knowledge has played very well in terms of your growth at General Scott. Yeah, I think one of the things is I love whether you're a quote unquote natural salesman or not or natural salesperson. I really found that there's elements of sales that I really love. I love the engagement. There's a lot of those reasons why we we love the business. But then I found that really diving deep into systems and then coaches who had systems that they could share on with you. That's what I love is just understanding how to utilize those best systems. And those aren't just real estate systems. Those are life systems, right? They're, they're people systems. They're, you know, they're, it's relationship strategies and technology strategies. And so as I just like get to learn, and that's one of the best things I love is I get to learn a lot of these techniques and strategies. And then I was mentioning my wife earlier, she's an organizational psychologist. And then she teaches at, at Seattle Pacific University uh, on management leadership and a lot of these organizational behaviors. And so she, I glean a lot from her and then translate that back into leadership and, and real estate sales and, and quality of life and, and, and a bunch of those kind of things. But yeah, so yeah, the industry is a great industry. And like you said, it's easy to be a lifer on something when, uh, when you love it uh, and you make an impact for people. So yeah, I guess I'm definitely a lifer. <laughs> Darn right. And that's what I always say too, is I never thought I would be in this industry 22 years later, but I was just doing it to sell real estate to pay to go to college. And I, I never thought I would be doing it two years later but I, I fell in love with it. And for a lot of the, the same stuff of what you're talking about. So speaking of all of that, let's talk a little bit about leadership and leadership development in real estate. So what do you think makes a good leader, particularly when it comes to the brokerage industry? Yeah, diving into this question, going from sales, and then when I decided to become a franchise owner, you're going to become a leader. And I had already been an assistant manager and a mentor at, at the office prior to that. But it's not like anybody ever said, hey, here's some leadership training. <laughs> here's some leadership you know, development. You basically got your broker's license. So that's not anything to do with leadership. That's just knowing a few more laws <laughs> and a few more processes. But at the end of the day, in terms of leading people and helping to really encourage them and do some of those things, there's a lot of skills that you've got to manage there. And over the years, really come to recognize that real estate specifically as an agent, especially as a new agent, an experienced agent in a good market and a bad market, leadership, leadership skills are so important. And yet it's almost as if, hey, there's a lot of executives, of course, for the big companies, and they get to go to the trainings and maybe they have the leisure and time to, to read the books. But how much real leadership development are we putting in for, for the middle managers, the, the brokers, the ones who are actually leading the sales meetings, as well as coaching the agents and, and all of that. And, and I think we've fallen short as an industry often in terms of really empowering managers. And, um, and I, oftentimes we talk about, oh, there's a leader and there's a manager. And that's just, those are just words. But ultimately, if you are influencing others, leading others in your brokerage, we have got to understand the importance of those management skills, those leadership skills, uh, a lot of those processes. And you have companies like Amazon and Microsoft and all the big companies, they actually pay people like my wife, psychologists, right, who've got PhDs in the stuff to come in HR and really help almost at every level. And, and oftentimes we don't really dive into those skills. And yet 
you know, we're talking about the greatest emotional as well as greatest financial investments people make in their home. You know, when it comes to agents and, and their lives, we as leaders, as managers, as executives, we've got to make sure we are, we're taking the time to understand and learn some of these leadership skills. So back to your question, what are a couple of things that we need to focus on? And a, a lot of times we'll read maybe a book, we'll go to maybe a seminar, but there is the theory that's like the full range leadership is, is a theory or a model that I really encourage. And that's one that I learned over the, the, the more recent years, but it's really understanding that there's something called a transactional leader and there's a transformational leader. Okay. And it's not like you're one or the other, it's a full range. So you've got to be strong in both transactional kind of uh, management or leadership skills, but more importantly is also really diving deep into the transformational side. So if I can break that down a little bit and the far extreme side of a bad transactional leader is what's called the laissez-faire leader. Now the laissez-faire leader, and we all know that word, um, it's not meaning that they're a lazy leader. In fact, it might be the person who's super likable and you might be one of these leaders that's super likable or as an executive, maybe you've got some of these leaders where they're super likable, they've got their broker's license. And here's the thing, they might even be super good when it comes to contracts when it comes to negotiations and some of the brokerage type of things that we typically want in, in a good manager. But ultimately, that laissez-faire leader is just there, but they're not proactively doing anything, right? They're, they're not thinking about coaching. They're not really thinking about taking Eric. Hey, let me just check to see if uh, Eric is doing the same kind of number of deals this year versus last year. Or is he up? Is he down? What's going on in his personal life? The laissez-faire leader doesn't really consider any of that. Because ultimately, he's just available and he might be like, hey, Eric, if you ever need anything, I'm available. So that is the far extreme side of this laissez-faire transactional leader. And we all know that the, the statistics are so rough in our industry where so many agents fail out of the business. I think it's because we've got a lot of good personality leaders who are very transactional in nature. They're the laissez-faire leader. They've been doing it for years, but they've really not progressed in terms of the additional strengths as far as transactional, as well as, again, back to that transformational. And so if I go to the other side of transformational, and then I can just simply ask this question, we've all been inspired by various leaders in our history, right? And so that is one of the elements of a transformational leader is their ability to inspire. And a lot of times we take this word like inspi inspiration. I'm not that type of person. I'm not an inspiration inspirational type of person, but it could be something as simple as, Hey, uh, you've been exercising and, and losing a little weight. You know what, whenever we meet somebody like that's inspiring, right? Oh, you're taking care, better care of your health. Oh, you're a really good dad or a really good mom, or you've been talking about some things that are really also important for me. You're inspiring me. That's all about inspiration. But the question is how strategic are we as leaders, even about inspiration? How much time are we reflecting on what can I communicate this week? Not just from a legal perspective or a sales meeting perspective, as far as what the market statistics are, but what's something that's inspirational that I can really just share with my agents this week or one-on-one. -on -one. And that's another element of a transformational leader is you have something called individualized consideration. So instead of just taking all of my agents as a large group, or even a group of my agents, like here's my producers versus my non-producers, I think about each individual person, Eric, 
Britt, what's his story? What's his story right now? What's his future? I wonder what he's what, what's going on with him. So I'm going to do some individualized consideration. Boy, when I have a conversation with Britt, I better know a few things you know, just in terms of what's been going on in his life and his business, what his future goals are, all those kind of things. And of course, we can also translate this just in terms of our buyers and sellers and homeowner relationships, the one-on-one -on -one type of thing. But I can't just group all my agents into a single category or a block of categories, my tier one producers versus my tier four, but rather I'm going to have individualized consideration for everybody. And that also goes true for the support team members, the staff members, and especially these days when the market's kind of crazy for most markets, everybody's overworked. They've got, of course, all of the you know pandemic stuff and stress still happening. Am I giving individualized consideration for my uh, support uh, team members, for my agents? And, uh, and for myself, for my family members. So that's another element of transformational leadership. Another component that's really important is in, uh, intellectual challenge. So it's a simple question. Boy, have I intellectually challenged Eric? I know he's really sharp, but what is he reading these days? What kind of technology? What about the video strategy? Can I challenge Eric to do something new and different, get him outside of his comfort zone? So again, we are thinking so frequently as far as just how do I manage myself as a manager, right? We think about these broad things, but I would just say thinking of ourselves as transformational leaders, individualized consideration, inspiration, as well as just uh, that intellectual challenge. Those are just a few of the elements that can start to make us better leaders. I'll just leave it there for now. That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> no, it was a phenomenal material there, man. I, I, I rarely do I hear somebody in the brokerage business and in, in staff and leadership think about leadership, to use the same word again, think about leadership in the scientific way that you're approaching it here. Who was a good leader that you have or had in the past? You, know, you mentioned we all look at leaders. Is there a good one that you saw in the past? For me, for myself personally, yeah, I think I think we can think about every person who's influenced in a positive way. I mean, this goes back to probably what your childhood and say, man, remember that teacher who really <laughs> inspired you in one way, shape, or form? And, and so there are positive elements I think we can take from so many people in life. That's just wow. I remember when somebody challenged me. Yeah, that was an element of, of a transformational leader. They helped transform me. And so I would actually say that in my work career over the years, there's been many people that's inspired me. My current CEO, Lennox Scott, he inspires me. He is still somebody that I look up to and he's just, wow, he's, he's got an amazing story. He's a third generation uh, Scott who's been in this business for over 90 years now. And then also bringing his daughter as a fourth generation and he's still in the business every single day, passionate about the agents, passionate about understanding markets and statistics. I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of people. But what I often find that the higher you often go is who's somebody who can challenge you intellectually. And I think we need to often seek that portion out if we're not uh, you know, challenging ourselves. Who's somebody that can challenge me as well as hold myself, hold me accountable to that challenge? Because I think we're designed that way as people and maybe especially in real estate, we've got to have that com like competition and and some of that challenge out there. And uh, so we can also just take the, those people who challenge us in other ways. It could just be an exercise, having a personal coach. Th those are all people that can inspire and, and challenge us. One, thing I, one of the things I, I want to also go on this is we can identify the people who have challenged us or inspired us, but we can also see those laissez-faire people in the past who were technically our leaders, but they didn't challenge us. They didn't inspire us. 
And often we find we don't want to hang around with those people. That's one of the reasons why we left that organization, right? And so it is very important that us in leadership and management in the real estate business and the brokerage business, we're always talking about recruiting and retention as these key words. But if we want to recruit and retain well, we better really focused in terms of reflecting on our leadership skill set, really uh, taking some time to dive deeper into that science of leadership. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the leader of your brokerage. My office manager is that's when I started is probably the reason I'm still in this business 22 years later. Yeah. Chuck Mortoya at the at my when I started, I was at a whole banker and he was just phenomenal and literally helped me grow and learn the business and made me in a better salesperson and and made me a better realtor and and everything. And and he just shaped me a lot in that regard. How do you think that leadership has changed, if at all? A lot of what you're focused on is the scientific kind of approach, but do you think that leadership has changed at all during COVID? And I know you've mentioned it a a little bit, but I'd like to dig in with you a little more on that of, of, do you see leaders being different in terms of what they're targeting or how they're engaging and not being a laissez-faire leader during COVID? Yeah, I think the biggest one is that's been an evolving thing, not just again in the real estate industry, but overall in all industries and companies is the ability to coach. Okay. And I think we go, oh, I'm a coach. Are you really? One of the elements as far as in in leadership now is understanding that coaching skill set. And there's a difference between mentoring. There's a difference between teaching there's a difference between coaching. And, and that's a particular one for myself that I'm still learning all the time. My wife, so she's, a, she's a, again, she's a professor, but she's also a paid coach with a different organization. And that coaching skill set is really that ability to listen and ask incredibly challenging questions, right? So it's our ability to ask questions. And so some people are very skilled at that. They need to hone that even deeper and others are not so great at that. We're great talkers. <laughs> We're great teachers. We might even be great mentors where it's just, here's how I do it. So do it like this. But in terms of really that ability to ask that challenging question, get people to reflect so that naturally what's happening over a period of time is that individual agent, for example, comes to that realization. Ah, this is the reason why I'm not doing these activities, which is the reason why I'm not, you know, getting as much listing inventory or I'm not having the quality of life that I want. So part of that leadership demand now more so than ever before is your ability to coach. And of course, there's a lot of agents that that are out there in the industry. There's way more agents than there are listings in most communities, in which case then our ability to coach to productivity, that business coaching and part of business coaching is about, in essence, a part of life coaching, because we know that it's so tied together, our ability as leaders to be able to kind of transition to become coaches, in particular now in the Zoom world, making connections in a virtual environment, as well as then, of course, back to back in real life as well. But we've got to coach, be able to coach in, in small groups, one-on-ones uh, like never before. So I think COVID is a great opportunity for a lot of us to say, I'm using COVID as the excuse to really become an amazing coach for the next five years, 10 years. In fact, among all my competitors, among every other real estate firm in my entire city, I'm gonna be known as the best coach. And through that process, I'm gonna have a better, more agents who are productive in my particular office, which then naturally you're gonna attract more agents. So I think that is definitely something that we've got to uh, focus a lot more attention on. 
lot of coaching books out there, courses, and we can't just default to, oh yeah, my agents are being coached by one of those third-party you know, companies that are out there. No, you become the coach as well. That's more important. That's going to be a better time to really enhance your own coaching skills and start to let go of some of the duties that you've done in the past, right? Maybe some of those brokerage duties where you were only seen as the person to be the deal doctor, transition some of that off into some of the processes that, that exist uh, or to other people, but you as the leader of the agents become a great coach. So it's funny that you keep mentioning this word coach. And we launched this product at Tribus a few years ago called Coach. Mm. And it was the funniest thing because when I ran my brokerage, I was so big on sitting down with my agents on a monthly, sometimes more than once a month, but with every single agent, at least once a quarter, I sat down with every single one of them and talked about their business. And so we launched this product a few years ago called Coach, and we couldn't get anybody to use it. Like we would talk to office managers and say, hey, we've got this great product called Coach, and it actually gives you all these super deep insights into your agents. Like, like one of the things that I used to talk about is list of sale prices, right? Is if you've got one agent that their list of sale is 92% and the entire rest of the market is 102%, you should probably sit down and have a conversation with that agent and, and coach them to be a better agent of not what I always call buying the listing by taking it at a price higher than what it should really be at. Or look at their days on market, or maybe there's other data that's inside of there. Like for example, um, their average price per square foot or average sales price is, is super in the top 1% of the market. And so because of that, you end up with longer days on market or different list of sale prices and, and that's mitigating circumstances, but it's all about having the data, I think, to be a good coach. And it's funny during COVID, all of a sudden people started using it. And they right. started going crazy with it of saying, oh yeah, this is great. And now I can sit down with my agents uh, and have conversations over Zoom with them and have data to talk with them about. And I was chuckle and say, man, this has been there for six years, seven years that we launched Coach and we couldn't, get, we couldn't pay people to use it six years ago. It's interesting that you're saying that the exact same thing is what we're seeing good leaders or seemingly good leaders in real estate do and move away from being deal doctors. And especially do we need deal doctors anymore when there's zero contingencies and zero appraisal writers and everything like that? I, the concept of a deal doctor is certainly different than it was six months ago. And now's the time to focus particularly on coaching. So to totally agree with you. Hi, everybody. This is Philip White, the president and CEO of Sotheby's International Realty. And you're listening to Brokerage Insider. There. Now, let's talk about getting into leadership, particularly as the people in this industry. I've always noticed from my experience that there's only two types of people that have previously gotten into leadership in, in real estate, and that is owners and their family members. Of, of the brokerage. And that part of that's a good thing is you get the person who has been in the industry since they were two years old, more or less. My wife is a really good example of that. She started putting labels on envelopes literally when she was four or five for her parents that were both realtors. Or the other one is agents that were doing okay, or maybe even not so great and decided to move into a salary-based role. So how can we get people that are outside of those spaces, people that are just good leaders to to accept roles or want to get into real estate? Or maybe the better question for you is, how do we get the current leaders of real estate to look outside of the industry for leaders? Yeah, yeah. A, a couple of pieces that I, want to, I would love to address there. I think the biggest, and we, won't, we all know this, the teams, 
right? There's more teams now than ever before. And that's uh, uh, going to be a continuing trend. And so as a team leader, all of a sudden you got a, maybe a buyer's agent or two, and you're maybe still the rainmaker. Uh, maybe you've got an admin person. You are a leader, right? You lead a team. It's basically the same thing as a small franchise. Like uh, you, you've got a, a team of three, two, three, four. Those are still families' lives that you're impacting just among those, uh, those people. They are now reliant upon you. And so what is the, the quality of life that you are having for yourself and that team? So you, as that leader, you now are in charge of coaching them and creating a culture uh, of mattering, That's and which I'd love to talk a little bit more about here in a little bit. But but so I think just among right now, all those team leaders, uh, and if, if you're, ma if you're a, a manager uh, of a brokerage and you've got teams, you've got to now instill leadership skills to those team leaders. Because the worst thing also is just that you got this revolving door of these team members who are coming uh, you know, onto these teams. They were basically, oh, like I want to have a little bit more stability or I want to get to know the business a little bit. And they've got a horrible experience because that team leader was just a jerk. They didn't have any leadership skills. Uh, they weren't inspiring their team members in any way or individually challenging them or they're also laissez-faire or something else. So I think of the team leaders who are really thinking about the growth of the future of their business, we've got to focus on them. We've got to make sure there's opportunities for them. And that's also how you're going to attract teams to your brokerage, right? If that's a, a goal of yours, by all means, there's that piece. And, uh, and again, creating a culture of leadership. And so what I mean by that is everybody's wondering, I've got no time. How am I supposed to coach? How am I supposed to do all these additional new things as a leader when I am still having to be the deal doctor? It's my license that's on the line if a deal is, is incorrectly done. So those are opportunities and moments where you go, listen, you need a leadership team. You can't do it on your own. <laughs> start to identify various people uh, within your organization and start diving out different exercises that they can do, that, that they can lead, give them opportunities. Even your support team members, what are things that they can lead on? And so you're really looking to yourself as the leader, develop a leadership team. So that goes back to the leadership development process and culture that you're creating so that even agents might be a part of the leadership team. And yeah, you can create different types of incentives, but ultimately people do love to matter as far as what they're doing and therefore look for opportunities to give leadership um, roles to various people that you might not have you know, otherwise thought of. Take a day, do a two-day leadership development retreat at some point, or even a Zoom leadership conversation. And you're gonna find so often that even among your agent pool, some of their backgrounds and history is in leadership. They have leadership skills. Hone some of that in there. There are resources oftentimes in front of us that we're not even recognizing. So that's just my encouragement is to really, again, focus in terms of some of the scientific ways that's um, uh, going to develop that office culture to be one where there's just a lot of uh, servant leadership. In terms of, of identifying and seeking these people out that are maybe outside of the industry, it seems like First of all, very few people in high school or in college sit there and say, I want to be a realtor, number one. And that's the most sexiest thing of what we do. There's 75 TV shows currently on air about real estate, but they're all about 
being a realtor. And, and there's zero shows about managing a brokerage. And it seems like people, no, very few people say in high school, I want to be a realtor. Nobody says I want to run an office or I want to be in a brokerage leadership type, type of a position. How can we get younger folks involved knowing that Steve Murray, my friend Steve Murray told me once that 60% of all brokerages are currently for sale because the person that owns the brokerage has nobody identified to hand it off to or hand leadership off to for them to be able to retire. Yeah, great question. People do, of course, want to have those kind of opportunities. And so as far as looking outside the industry, I think, I don't know how much you want to look outside the industry. I, I, I still think that within the industry, there's so many great agents where we just we just need to find that right fit for them and that opportunity. And, and more so than ever before, I think these kind of creating teams to become a leadership team, it's almost just, that's quite the process, but it's just that talent management side where we're constantly looking for the people who in the future want an opportunity like that. That's one of the things I'm doing right now. Just in terms of franchise, I'm not looking for people outside the industry. I'm looking for agents who've been in the business for three years which in the real estate space is not a long time, but I'm like, hey, in three years, you've done pretty well as an agent. Uh, so I'm not necessarily even looking at the million dollar producers. I'm looking for that you know, person who's making between 100 and 500,000 maybe. I'm like, do you want to build an asset? What's your future? What's your dreams? Do you want to just sell real estate your entire life or do you want to own something and, and lead a group? That's what I'm constantly looking for. So I'm looking at the agent pool constantly and I find them, they're there and they never thought about owning a franchise. They never thought about going into management until I say, would you be interested in just a leadership development class? And then they go, I'd be open to that. <laughs> and then we start talking about the, the data and, and agent production, the business models and different ways that they can earn money, especially with joint ventures of title, escrow, mortgage, and then those kinds of things. And, and all of a sudden they appreciate those kind of conversations. Those are not conversations that their managers are, are often not having with them. A lot of times just within that agent pool, there are existing people. We're just not maybe looking deep enough, having those individualized conversations possibly enough. So yeah, I'm, I'm still hopeful that there are uh, lots of good people in the industry who love the industry, who've got enough uh, years of experience uh, under them, but it's just creating these new opportunities in, in management and leadership. So la last, last question for you on this topic, which is, do, do you think that to run an office or a region or however you want to slice and dice it up, do you think that it should still be required to have a license? And I'm not talking about from an oversight perspective, having oversight of somebody that's licensed is obviously a good idea. But do you think that the people that run an office outside of deal doctoring should be or required to be by the state licensed? Or do you think that it would be good to sometimes at least open it up to whoever the best leader is outside of what you just said, that you're identifying agents that could be great leaders and, the, and that they're open to it and want to expand out their knowledge? Do you see any benefit in making it easier to become a leader versus I think many people would agree that it, it shouldn't be as easy to become an individual realtor? Yeah, I, I, it's... 
who do you have on your team? Ultimately, the real estate business, as far as like a, on the brokerage side, it's how can I get as many of my agents to be as productive as possible, thereby also attracting other people to come to my firm because they're doing well. So other people want to be with me. And it's down to behavior. And, and uh, so leadership, as far as back to that coaching, how can my coaching help change behavior? Do you have to be a the managing broker? No, absolutely. When it comes to behavior changes and some of the sales skills and relationship and technology components, no. In fact, you don't have to be uh, that person, right? And so oftentimes, in fact, it is the support to team members who support agents in some of these things. And they're not licensed or a lot, a lot of them are not. So I would definitely think it's all about finding that right team. And one of the things that at, at the at an executive level, at a company level, we've got the, the ability to have HR and at the strategy level, talk about all the different job descriptions so that we can put together a really good org chart. So you got to have the, the people in the right, right seats, right? Uh, on the right bus. Uh, a lot of times at the franchise level or the small brokerage level, firm level, we just haven't taken the time to do that. So all of that burden and weight is just on one person, that owner or manager. And I think that's where we got to make sure we're taking time to really develop that leadership team. And back to your point, it doesn't have to just be the one managing broker. I think it really takes that the entire team. Part of that leadership is, is focusing on that right leadership team. So if if you do anything in the coming year, really take the time to figure that org chart out in, in a in a really honest way. Speaking of that, let's move on to a different topic here that's about finding the right people because the right people come from all different backgrounds and, and uh, places in their lives. And so one of the things that I'm interested in is in terms of getting into real estate, you said you identify agents that, that could be good leaders uh, a, a lot of times and you push them down the right path. But I recently saw a survey that showed minorities in real estate or minority real estate agents typically or on average across all pull in only about a third of what a non-minority uh, realtor makes. Why do you think that is? I, that's a really good question. I don't know exactly the the statistic or that I would be very curious as far as the details of that. I think that's probably possibly too general of a, of a statement without diving a specific more into the details of that survey. In my organization, I don't know, I'd be really surprised if that was the same study. So yeah, now I'm not sure. I've, I've got a comment for that particular one without taking a look at it. But what I'll say is, is the following, is that whether the minorities, the people of color or not, the, the real estate business is hard, right? In terms of business development. And it's all still going to rely upon the sphere of influence and what kind of behaviors and skills uh, and marketing that, that, that they're doing. So again, I, I don't necessarily want to comment without having uh, you know seen that specific study and the depths of it, actually. Sure, sure. Maybe that leads to a better question for you then, which is how do you look at diversity and inclusion, both when it comes to being a realtor and finding minorities to, to be agents, but also based around the conversation that we've been having about leadership? Is, is that something that John L. Scott actively seeks out? Hey, Eric, sorry, technical difficulties. So my internet went out. Oh, no problem. It's showing that it's unstable. So I lost your last question. So repeat it for me one more time. Okay, sure. And Bryn, I'm just going to give a pause and then start it again, just so you can make it easier for you cutting it. Talking about th this and minorities and involved in real estate, how does John L. Scott think about diversity and inclusion of not only realtors getting into the business, but also maybe about leadership? Is, is that something that you guys pay attention to? 
Absolutely. Part of the reason why I was sharing earlier, the fact that I'm inspired by my CEO is because he's a third generation family owned, operated one of the largest firms, again, in the Northwest. And there was practices in history that he literally called out. In fact, he just had a, a great conversation with the entire organization saying there was stuff in history that happened. He specifically called it out and he did something about it. It's not like he just swept that under the rug. He was just like, this was something in history. We were complicit to some of the practices as far as some of the redlining type of things that were happening back in the day and i'm calling it out and you know what we as a, as an organization we're gonna we're gonna do things and we're probably one of the leaders in the country right now in terms of having this conversation action plans diversity education conversations at the leadership level every single a company owned office leader and highly encouraged franchise owner we all went through a book together we literally had a full-on session on the color of law by richard rothstein which has been a very popular book over the last uh, couple of years i'm um, just talking about the history in this country regarding housing policy and you know why we are all segregated aggregated with housing so much and that we as an industry have a responsibility. And so when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is obviously very complex. The real estate industry has been very much a, a part of the history as far as why the racial segregation has happened here so much. And it's our responsibility to, to do something about it. And so specifically at, at the company right now, we are looking constantly for new ways. Number one, I think the awareness and education, that goes without saying. And, uh, and it's got to become personal. At, the, at each individual office level, agent level, we got to make sure that this is a conversation that is happening, that the history is really recognized as far as the complicity, like how the industry was so, the real estate industry and mortgage industry for that matter, was so complicit in all of the housing policies that made so much of the segregation what it is today. And yeah, it comes to now for leadership and as far as conversations, as far as trying to really reach out to all of our communities and, and making it as diverse as possible, as well as just making sure that we're recognizing that fair housing is still a challenge and what can we can constantly do to bring up that awareness and education. So much of it is just in, in, in that space right now, but we're additionally looking to create funds available to, to create additional education you know, opportunities. We've got even something called the 90-year project where we're creating a scholarship even for education for people to, to become teachers, people of diversity become uh, teachers. So we're really excited about this topic, but it's going to take not years, but decades to undo some of the stuff that's happened. So yeah, I mean, that's just some of the stuff we're focused on right now. Is there anything particularly when it comes to leadership or getting agents involved? Because one of the things that I read in that story that they were suggesting in that article, and for the life of me, I can't remember if whether it was an NAR article or, or from somewhere else right now. But one of the things they suggested was that if more minorities became realtors, that it would help with minority home ownership as well. Or if minorities became, obviously my, my next step is if more minorities were in leadership in real estate, it might help with home ownership levels. And certainly one of the things is the average minority family has only about between 15 and $20,000 in net worth in it. Whereas the average family in the United States overall, I believe is over $150,000. So literally a 10 X multiple. And of right. course, as you and I both know, a lot of that comes from equity appreciation in real estate, right? <laughs> Particularly over the past year, holy cow. If you were, if you've owned a home this year, you probably in pretty good shape, unless you're in a few of the mega cities of the United States, you probably came out great. And so from that perspective, do you think that that getting 
minorities into selling real estate and then bringing them along with the leadership, like what you were talking about before and identifying those that want to be leaders. Do, do you think, and do you see the getting from point A to point B and helping them, helping minorities achieve higher levels of homeownership and, and thereby net worth? That would be great. <laughs> we're so simple. We just need to get more people of color to become realtors. And then that would change things around. By all means, I think the industry, the real estate business can be incredible for many. And yeah, the percentage of minorities, we're probably are, are, are not representing the buyers and sellers and homeowners who are out there. So by all means, what are some things that we can do in leadership to encourage you know people to, to come into the industry and to really, again, just like anybody, but coach them up to success and all those kinds of things. So I think there's a good responsibility to that. I definitely can't answer if that would help. I'm sure it won't hurt, but, but by all means, there's so much probably more, uh, but that's definitely one of the items. So creating a very diverse sales force, leadership force, by all means, we've got to look at that. Uh, and I think a lot of us are, right? We are definitely looking more and more at that, going out there and, and recruiting, you know, the best talent that's out there. And, and again, back to the coaching and the training and mentoring and all those things that's all happening right now. So that part's really exciting in the industry. But I think as far as the, we as we in the industry, as business people, as salespeople, we want a fast answer and it's not going to be that fast. It's going to take a culture shifts. It's going to take a long time for us to continually have these conversations to that point where it almost seems like, are we talking about this again? <laughs> You know, like some people are already feeling that way, even in the, the, the more recent stop Asian hate campaigns with the, the Asian hate crimes that have been happening. Do we have to address another racial situation now with the Asians? Do we got to talk about this again? There's some of that energy that's happening. And, uh, but you know, what? that is part of the cultural shift that we've got to acknowledge and we've got to embrace and we've got to lead and we've got to have a lot of one-on-ones and we've got to really bring, because we represent communities of so many people who've been impacted for so many years. And again, real estate is generational. It's going to take generations for us to lead our communities, our agent pool, our, our support team members to continually just have these conversations. But something as simple as starting off by reading the book color of law. I think that's a really good starting place. It should be like mandatory reading to know the housing history, to know why so many of our neighborhoods and so many of our cities are segregated the way that they are. Why that there is that large discrepancy, a lack of homeowners in particular among the African-American community because they weren't allowed, even if they could get a mortgage, not the same kind of mortgage. There's so much history there and we've got to create an awareness. And arguably even, this is not right. What can I do about it today? Besides just knowing about the history, what are the things I can do now moving forward to make a difference? And I think that is just something that that we all need to embrace as an industry. For sure. And, and we're pretty much out of time here, but I did want to ask you, ask all of my guests one question. And I always love getting all of their answers. And something that I've heard from some people recently has been about raising the bar in real estate. I've heard other people talk about more of the tech side of real estate, obviously. But if there was one thing that you could change about residential real estate, any facet of it, what would that one thing be? Yeah, maybe I'll get a little philosophical if, if that's okay here. So 
as we, there's a lot of people who are realtors and who've done really well. In particular, the last few years, the market's been good. Rates have been great. Uh, I did this little exercise and I said, wow, there's more million dollar earners in real estate than I've seen in history. It feels like people earning three, four, five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, million dollars or more selling real estate. And uh, the people, the reason why we all go into real estate is I want to have, I want to make a lot of money. I want to have flexibility and freedom, all those kinds of things. And if I could change something is just what real estate, as far as for salespeople, for realtors, there is a lot of income opportunities. A lot of people have done incredibly well, but we do have a responsibility, right? Moving into the future, into the generations coming up. Boy, if I'm going to help somebody with the greatest financial and emotional investment, it's going to create generational wealth. There's a real responsibility that I have. And so I would just say we need to take on almost a philosophical approach to how we do the business, how we serve our clients or in our communities. I, I just want that to be talked about more among leaders, among agents, among teams, among the colleagues, that that stuff matters. It really does because we do impact so many of our communities through how we sell real estate. So I would say it is, it's back to this diversity, equity, and inclusion piece. We've got as a responsibility as an industry to, to do what's right in the coming generations of some of the stuff that we didn't do as well in the past generations. That was, uh, that's a great and sage statement for the future. And, and certainly the, probably the most forward looking in, in terms of an answer here of everything we've received. So Howard, thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your day and joining us and talking about leadership and diversity and how we can bridge the two together. Well, thanks so much, Howard. That was Howard Chung. Howard's the VP of Franchise Development for John L. Scott Real Estate, one of the largest brokerages in the Upper Northwest. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast at Brokerage Insider using your favorite podcast player. We post episodes every single Monday, so make sure to subscribe to receive them all directly to your inbox.